and welcome to another episode of Fig Pie True Crime. As always, my name is Ryan, and with me is Mr. Figleaf himself, Josh. Hello. As usual. So, tonight I need to give a bit of a trigger warning. Not not super hard, but I know this could offend some people. Some people might not like what we're about to talk about. Oh, no. The killer tonight is known for preying upon the gay community. Not the one I'm... It's not the one that comes to mind when I'm thinking about that, is it? Who are you thinking of? Uh, isn't it John Wayne Gacy who went after gay people? Yes, but that's because he was also secretly gay and hated that about himself. Um, but, and that one was caught. So, But that's not who we're talking about. No, tonight we're going to be talking about the Doodler. Uh, that's a, that is a name. The Doodler is an also known as Black Doodler is an unidentified serial killer believed to be responsible for up to the murders of or for up to 16 murders and three assaults of men in San Francisco, California. This took place between January 1974 and September 1975. The name the Doodler was given due to the perpetrator's habit of sketching his victims prior to their sexual encounters and slayings by stabbing. That's the background you need for this. The backstory behind the nickname wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to get, so that's so that's okay. No, no, he just doodled the people before he walked over to him. Like he, so from my understanding, this is the little bit I actually know about this. Besides having read through this a little bit, yeah. Um, what he would do is he would sketch them from a distance and then approach them and hand them the drawing as a way to initiate a conversation. So then, once the conversation starts, they would you know go away, make the bang bang, and then the body would be found like days later. Well, like, they'd be like, oh, you're talented. And he's like, yeah, you know, well, you know, the guy had to be smooth in some way. That being said, the reason they say for up to 16 murders, there are only five confirmed. So they're not sure if the rest of them were. They don't know. (laughs) They're they're not sure if the rest of them was this specific guy. They just are close enough to the MO where if they were, they'd be like, yeah, so that, that, that track, right? basically yeah. like I said, they they only have five confirmed victims they they didn't in from in this i don't see anything they don't say anything about the others um i did give josh a heads up and i will say this because this is gonna make it interesting this case is kind of sort of solved and josh still doesn't know what that means and i'm going to get into that as we go through this yeah, and I was really confused when you said that. That's kind of sort of solved. I'm like, excuse me? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you're going to learn, and it's, it, you're going to be not okay with a lot of this. Like, they kind of know who did it. I'm interested to find out what they, what, what that means. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so we're going to start off with the murders. It is believed that the doodler killed between five and 16 people. Several victims were stabbed in the front and back of their bodies in similar locations. All of the victims were white males. Police theorized that the victims had all died after meeting with the suspect near the locations where their bodies were recovered. The suspect was described as a man between 19 and 25 of African descent. He was about 6 feet tall with a slender build. In the early stages of investigation, police believe there could have been as many as three different perpetrators. So, I do want to specify something, and I'm going to stress this a bunch throughout this. Okay. Remember the time period. It's in, like, the 70s, you said? It was in, It was 1974 to 1975. So, yes, it was in the 70s. 
So people are going to be racist and terrible. Got it. I mean, sort of. Just just hold on to the, t- the time period. Just remember that. Okay. Because it is very relevant to what we're going to talk about. So the first victim was Gerald Cavanaugh. Gerald Earl Cavanaugh was a Canadian-American immigrant and is believed to be the doodler's first victim. He was 49 at the time of his slaying, which had occurred but by stabbing. Kavanaugh's fully clothed body was located on January 24, 1974, lying face-up on Ocean Beach in San Francisco, California, in the early hours of the morning. He had died hours before. He He was determined to have been conscious at the time he was killed and had attempted to resist his killer because of his self-defense wounds. He initially remained unidentified, being temporarily known as John Doe No. 7 by the medical examiner. He was a single man, and few details are available about his personal life. Okay. <laughs> anything, anything to take away from that one? <laughs> so he was, so they know that basically he had no, like, nobody of interest in his life or anything like that. Right. When the guy died. The second victim is Joseph J. Stevens. Joseph Stevens, best known by the nickname J, J-A-E, uh, was discovered on June 25th, 1974, by a woman walking with walking along Spreckles Lake in San Francisco. Stevens was 27 and had died shortly before his body was found. He had been sen- seen at a club the previous day. He was employed as a female impersonator and comedian. Officers suspected that Stevens was alive at the time he had been at Spreckles Lake, possibly transporting himself to the area with the killer. Okay, that's it? No, the, that was it. No other information there? Okay. No, so a lot of these, there's not a ton of information. I don't know how they're considering this case solved if they don't have a ton of information. Oh, you'll you'll know. Yeah, to go keep going then. So, the third victim is Klaus Chrisman. Uh, by the way, I think you might be picking me up double a little bit. I don't know how, I'm just telling you, I keep hearing myself every so often. You keep hearing yourself? Yeah, every so often I hear myself through your mic, I don't know how, but... I'm just giving you a heads up. <laughs> maybe my headphones are a bit too loud, or maybe you're a bit too loud on the... on OBS, I don't know. I don't know, I've never had this before, so I was just telling you. <laughs> just keep going, you're fine. Okay. Klaus Christman, a German-American immigrant, was discovered by a woman walking her dog on July 7th, 1974. He was found similarly to George Kavanaugh at Ocean, Be- Ocean Bench in San Francisco. His death had been somewhat more violent than the previous murders because he had considerably more stab wounds than Stevens and had been slashed in the throat several times. Jesus. The body was fully clothed. Crispin, unlike the previous victims, was married and had children. The fact, the fact that he had a makeup tube on his person when he died suggested to police that he may have been a closeted gay man. He remained unidentified briefly while police were investigating the case, which they had believed were related to the third after the third murder. He was buried in his native country, Germany. And again, that was it. <laughs> The fourth victim, Frederick El- Elmer Capen, aged 32, was discovered on May 12, 1975, in San Francisco. He had been stabbed like the other victims, dying from strikes to his aorta. 
It is believed his body had been moved approximately 20 feet as disturbances near in the nearby sand indicated Capon was identified through fingerprints when these were matched to those taken by the state due to his occupation as a nurse. He also had a sir, he also had served in the United States Navy, earning medals while serving in the Vietnam War. I mean, my thing with that, I'm just going to say this is what an asshole killing a fucking Vietnam War veteran. Fuck this guy. How did he choose his victims is what I would want to figure out. Like, how does he, like... Probably just saw guys at a bar he wanted to have sex with and then, uh... How does it... Picked them that way. I guess, right? Basically, I mean, yeah, he just... <laughs> he just said, hey, I want to fuck you. Let's go have sex. They go have sex, and then he's like, cool. cool I'm, I'm gonna I'm... kill you now. Cool, cool, I'm gonna do a murder now. Just a... To... I'm gonna do a murder. Just a plain old gonna do a murder. Hope that's cool with you. Oh wait, I don't care if it's cool. I'm gonna with play you. the violin, but the violin's your throat, and I'm gonna use the uh, my knife as a bow. That sound cool? No, too bad. Uh, no, too bad. Okay, you you said there was one more confirmed victim. Yeah, the the fifth victim, Harold Gullberg, age sixty six, was a Swedish American immigrant who was discovered on June fourth, nineteen seventy five, in a decomposed state about two weeks after his death in Lincoln Park. He remains slightly inconsistent to the other homicides because he was far older than the others. His underwear had been taken by his killer and his pants were unzipped. Goldberg is believed to be the final victim of the doodler. While he remained unidentified, he was known as John Doe number 81. I guess I didn't see any more... They had no other victims. I mean, it, it's rumored it could have been higher, but I mean, not by much. Yeah, I say not by much. There could have been possibly 11 more victims, but there's three attacks that weren't murders. Uh, go ahead so, then, I guess. So let's just move on to the investigation, where things get dark. <laughs> like, how much worse can this be? And then Ryan's like, well, let me tell you. How much worse can this get? Hold my beer. <laughs> oh, Lord. Police questioned a young man known... Ella. Police questioned a young man as a murder suspect in the case but could not proceed with the criminal charges because the three surviving victims did not want to out themselves by testifying against him in court. Among the stabbing survivors were a well-known entertainer and a diplomat. The suspect cooperated with the police during his interview, but he never admitted guilt for the murderers and attacks. Officers stated that they strongly believed that the man in question was responsible for the crimes, but he was never tried or convicted because of the survivor's refusal to appear in court. To date, this, uh, the suspect has not been named publicly or apprehended. Very little information is available to the public about this crime, about the crimes. Two other potential suspects arose in 1977 after a pair of men from Redondo Beach were arrested in Riverside County, California, and questioned on suspicion of approximately 28 murders that, like the San Francisco killings, occurred after homosexual encounters. So what we're learning is the 70s were a fucked up time to be a homosexual. Yeah, I was just going to say, so we've talked about some terrible... We've talked about some terrible police uh, incompetency so far on the cases that we've covered. This this one has very little to do with the police, honestly. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say, this one's not that. Like, God. It's just, like, blows my mind that if we were a more um, welcoming, to soci welcoming society... This man would be behind bars. Oh, if this was nowadays, this guy would be arrested in a heartbeat. 
Yeah, and that's like that blows my mind about a lot of these cases that we do, especially ones that are like in the sixties and seventies. Yeah, we did one. We had the uh, the Delphi murders that was like when like twenty twelve, right, or something like that. Uh, more recent than that. Like it was like, like very 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 soon. It was like twenty sixteen or something. Yeah, it was like a couple of years ago. But like a lot of these are like that one with notwithstanding, a lot of these are like. God, if this was, was today's forensic evidence, or if this was, you know, you know, if this is this these days, like, there's no way the police let him go. And in my day, we let the the killer go all the time. I know, and it just like it blows my mind that just like like I'm sure it still I'm sure it still happens. You know what I mean? But it blows my mind in how in my day we never let a criminal go, except they did. Well, it just blows my mind how often this happens, you know what I mean? Like, how often just, like, somebody gets to walk away from something that they did like this. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. It's, it's like we said, if this was nowadays, things would be a fucking lot different. The thing is, I like to say that, but, like, do you, like, who actually knows if, um, who knows if something similar wouldn't have happened today? You don't. That's, that's the problem, I guess, is you just don't know. So just as a quick wrap-up, um, the case is currently still open. The San Francisco Police Department is still investigating this, and it's ongoing to this day. Um, they're re-examining evidence with new technology, and they're also considering using uh, forensic genetic genealogy, similar to how the Golden State Killer murders were solved. So so here's my question. How was this... If, so, so, so they said they were pretty, fairly certain it was this guy, right? The guy that they questioned before? Yep. Wouldn't they at least be keeping an eye on him if it was an open investigation? Like, you would think, right? So, yes, they could. The problem is he could also sue for harassment if they have zero evidence as to him being there. Yeah, not even... From what it sounds like, there's no, like, fingerprints or anything like that. But also, this case has been played very close to the chest at the same time. The only evidence they had planting this person there was the eyewitness testimony of the three of uh, the three surviving victims who refused to testify. The suspect could easily just sue for harassment at that point. I know, but you would at least think they would want to try like something. I, I don't I don't know. You know what you know what I mean? Like it just doesn't seem right. I get what you mean. I'm just I'm just I'm giving the devil's advocate side of things where it's like they technically can't just sit there and stare and throw a window every chance he moves, you know? I mean, please do that now with uh, minorities. I mean, I are we really going down this road? I mean, I'm just saying that. I'm just, like, it's not <laughs> unprecedented. You're not wrong. It just, it, it doesn't make sense to me how, like, and I know you've explained it. You've explained, like, they didn't want to move forward, but it doesn't make sense to me how they could be fairly certain it's him, but not have anything to actually keep him there on at that same time. And that blows my mind. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> me too. Um, I have a, a case in mind that we might do next, because it has a similar vain to this one but not in the way you might be thinking um and it is a case from a show you and i both enjoy watching or at least that's where i learned about it from but uh is it yeah is it from buzzfeed unsolved it's where i learned about it yeah 
okay. It's a very interesting case that I recently went back and watched a little bit of. And it talks about uh, how dirty the police can really be sometimes. Did you see the most recent episode? The most recent episode was very interesting. Oh, the monster of 21 faces? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was that was good. Yeah, it was a really good episode. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of like, I get all happy when like the episodes come out and then like I get all depressed now because like I know like it's only a matter that of time. That's only a matter of time until the only true crime podcast, the only true crime thing that I care about is our own thing. I hope that they will start doing one on their own channel. They'd have to give it a different name, but I hope they start doing it on Watcher. Because that's why they're leaving. They have their own company now. Oh, so it's not Ryan that... Ryan started a new YouTube channel and everything, like, with a friend, and... Uh, oh, so they're leaving BuzzFeed? That's why it's ending. They've basically already left BuzzFeed. They were just finishing... Um, They were just finishing it up, because this is their baby. Well, does that mean BuzzFeed Supernatural is ending, too? Yeah, they're going to do one more season of Unsolved Supernatural, and then they're going to... uh right off into the sunset on that. I'm actually going to send you a link right now with their new channel. Okay, I didn't know they had a new channel. This is a good this is a good thing for me to know. They have so, some different stuff on there, but like for Ryan and Shane specifically, it's kind of funny cuz they have like some really silly content between the two of them. What I'm hoping is is that that means that they'll be able to continue some form of some this. form of an unsolved yeah, they Something. might have to change the formatting up and definitely the name, but... No, they probably don't even have to change the format up, because, like... What, are they going to say, you stole our format? When, like, we... They made they the could, format. It's the same show with a different name. Yeah, there's there's a million true crime shows on YouTube. What are they going to do? Yeah, fair. Right now they're in the, the vein of doing a thing called Too Many Spirits, where they read drunk ghost stories. Well, yeah, think about it. The the two of them, plus another guy who also left BuzzFeed, already has 1.3 million subscribers on this new channel. I mean, yeah, BuzzFeed Unsolved was huge. It was probably like... It was a cash cow. It was probably one the, of the... It was probably one of the biggest reasons that there that the BuzzFeed YouTube channel lit up in the past in the, in the past couple of years, right? The, the two shows that, like, those people came from, between Ryan Shane and the third guy, yeah. was BuzzFeed Unsolved, and then it was worth it. Oh, I was going um, to ask if the other guy is the guy that was in season one. No, okay. but uh, if you've ever seen the show Worth It, it's where these two guys, Steven and Andrew, go around to different restaurants and try food at different price values. Yeah. Yeah. So Steven was from that show, and now he's with Ryan and Shane, and they started their own company. Yeah, that's the end of this episode. <laughs> oh, the are, the are You Scared kind of seems fairly... Uh... Oh, it's interesting. It's a, it's a good time. Very similar. Yeah. All right. We'll see you. We'll see you guys next time. Have a good rest of your night.